Please Be Advised talks with three prominent women attorneys in New York City about their perspectives on women in diversity in law, the Me Too movement, and offer helpful advice to young women starting careers in law. Welcome to Please Be Advised. We are excited for the great discussion set for today, titled Women in Law. We have with us three prominent attorneys in New York City, Marjorie Mezador, Jana Gucheff, and Arena Shulga. Marjorie Mezador is a partner at Phillips & Associates, recognized for her outstanding service to clients who have been subjected to sexual harassment or discrimination based on race, gender, disability, and other protected characteristics. Ms. Mezador regularly prosecutes employment actions against Fortune 500 companies and smaller organizations accused of discrimination, including claims of sexual misconduct. Jana Gucheff is the founder and managing attorney of Gucheff Law. Ms. Gucheff counsels startups and large corporate clients as their general counsel and is known as the top negotiator in the industry for structuring deals for her clients. As an entrepreneur herself, she knows how to add value to a business at every stage. All of her clients are innovative brands doing major impact work, whether they are early stage startups or global corporations. And finally, Arena Shulga founded Ross and Shulga PLLC and is a corporate and securities attorney with significant experience in startup law, security offerings, and SEC reporting obligations. She is experienced with advising small to mid-sized companies on formation, contract review and negotiation, private placement of securities, intellectual property matters, and internal governance issues. Ms. Shulga is also an adjunct professor teaching entrepreneurial law at Fordham Law School. We're going to get into some intros and then jump right into the questions and get some great insights and advice from these three amazing women in law. Good morning. This is Marjorie, um, Marjorie Mesador. I'm a partner at Phillips and Associates, and I do employment discrimination and wage hour work. Hi, I'm Jana Gushev. I am a business corporate startup attorney. I run Gushev Law, and we're in town, Manhattan. I have about 10 attorneys, and I'm the managing partner. Uh, yes, hello. So I'm Marina Shulga. I am um, a co-founding partner of Rasson Shulga PLLC. We are a corporate and security small law firm. We currently have about seven attorneys, and uh, we focus on uh, just corporate and security. So we're a boutique law firm. We're located in the financial Wonderful. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning and should be a great discussion. A big thing that's going on these days is women helping other women. In your experiences, have you felt that there have been more women in your law firms or throughout your career, whether it be a mentor in law school, that have kind of pushed you forward and have really stood up and you know, entered that mentoring role? Or do you feel like it's easier to find a male mentor? Okay, so I guess I'll start. This is Jana. I will say, yeah, we, we work with a lot of small businesses, a lot of female-founded or co-founded businesses. And I've seen that over the past, I guess, five years, really increase in number of businesses that are founded or at least co-founded with a male partner by women. 
which is awesome. Um, also, I've seen, and you all know this, women VCs, venture capitalists, and all those VC firms started by women now, which is really booming. That's been amazing, and we've been partnering up with them. And lastly, in our firm, over even the past year, we've had so many more female attorneys. When I started the firm about five years ago, it was mostly guys that were working for me, and now that's really turned even in securities law, which is still, arena. I'm sure you can speak to this too, male-dominated. I've seen a lot of female attorneys starting to enter the field, which I think is great. Do you feel women are helping other women more now in law? There's this thing where you feel like in the past, it was always women are seen to be as very competitive with one another Mm -hmm. and that we can't help each other. So how are you seeing that change? Are you saying that that's more of just like a stereotype that's been put on women in law? Are you seeing that women are really encouraging other women to step up and it's sharing in the project, encouraging each other to be better and to be more helpful to one another. I have seen a shift personally. Yeah, absolutely. This is Marjorie. I think that it would definitely depend on the dynamics Certainly within a firm there, it's been my experience that I've seen a, a, a great shift of support of women within the firm. We all work in the same firm or we work on the same side, right? If we're plaintiff's attorneys, generally we work on, if we're on the same side, then there is a lot of assistance in that regard. I have not seen women who are on the defense side necessarily helping women who are on the plaintiff side going across the aisle, so to speak, in that regard. But I think that that has to do with the adversarial nature with litigation. Usually these are the same women that we go up against in court. So perhaps they're organically, there isn't really an opportunity for that to take place. So I've seen it, I've seen it to a much less degree than I would say if we're both on the same side of the aisle. In my experience, and I can tell you, I was at the law firm and I actually found um, uh, male partners to be, uh, I found like role models in my and mentors, uh, male partners at uh, my prior firm. And I actually found that it was more difficult <laughs> to work with female partners. It was just my experience. Doesn't mean that everybody's experience is the same, but that was mine. But now I definitely mentor a junior associate who's female, so I am a mentor to her. And I I think, I mean, it's easier to bond with women attorneys. It's just, we have like this connection, right? That, that helps, even if we're on other sides, like opposite sides of the deal. So playing off of that, when you had that experience and you felt as though, you know, it may have been a little bit harder or more difficult to connect with other female partners. Why do you think that is? Do you think there was like some sort of competitive aspect to it? Do you think that there's just like inherent, there's only space for one woman in this part of the practice? What do you think made it so difficult? And what's the best way that if someone is facing those kind of challenges, they can overcome that feeling of there is only room for one of us. So it's either me or you. And how do you think it's best for women to work together when feeling that kind of pressure? 
I think it wasn't exactly like that near you because I was a junior associate and I was looking for you know, mentors, you know, partners at the firm. So it wasn't definitely a competitiveness. Perhaps they expected more. I don't know. That's the sense that I, I had, that they expected more from a female associate. We had to step up. They did it, I mean, for our own good because I definitely learned from that. But in terms of mentorship, it just didn't work out for me. Okay, and you said something really interesting in there where you said they expected something more out of the female attorneys. Do you feel there is more pressure that is put onto the female attorneys? This is Marjorie speaking. From my experience, there is a silent pressure, whether outwardly imposed or internally imposed, to outperform, to show what you can do, to call attention to your skill set, to create your seat at the table. So I don't think that anyone has ever explicitly told me that as a woman, you will have to do this. I think that that's something that I've kind of figured out on my own, just being in a male-dominated industry. When I am successful, that the the default is that I might have been lucky, as opposed to this is somebody who has really sharpened their craft, is excellent at what they do, and can give consistent results. If I can jump in too, I think that a lot of these pressures to work harder to work longer hours, to really compete more with each other as women and with the guys that we work with are kind of self-imposed. I think we mm-hmm. put this pressure on ourselves. And my experience when I was working at a really big corporate firm, I saw the men certainly working less. They are more social with other men and they are the ones who get promoted or the ones that get credit in meetings for saying pretty much the same thing that a woman said before them. But I think that's changing. I think we're speaking up. I think if we stop putting the pressures on ourselves as women to work harder, work more, be, be more competitive, I think the more we do that, the more we'll be acknowledged. So that's a great point with the internal versus the external pressure, which also brings up the idea that women are almost seen as that they can either only have a career or a family. So how do you feel like the legal industry in particular is changing to make it more accommodations for women to have both a career and a family? I think that as we see more women elevate and can become partners, become founding partners, GCs, and are at the top of the helm, when you see someone do it, then you give yourself permission to do it as well. So I think that more and more women, and, and I'm speaking for myself in this regard, is I became a partner two weeks after I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter. My managing partner came to me and he said, this is what I want to do. And what do you think? I said, I'm pregnant. And I have to really consider how it is this new dynamic is going to fit into the fact that I'm pregnant. I'm I'm over the age of 35. And this is going to cause a new dynamic for me because I'm also high risk. In my conversation with him, he says, if that is a consideration for you, then fine. But I'm not going to change my mind. So you tell me what you need and we're going to work it out. Now, that is not everybody's experience. Being able to, to be in that position where I essentially designed what it is that I wanted and what it is that I needed in terms of the support that I needed through a high risk pregnancy 
while being a new partner, I know that there are many other female associates at the firm, senior associates at the firm who, who see that and they ask me about it all the time. How did you do this? And I said, I was able to do this because I was in a work environment that valued me as an individual and who didn't look at my pregnancy or the fact that I was going to be a mom as some sort of burden. Everything else I asked for and I got. That I believe is a very unique, can be a unique experience. But I also think that if you don't ask for it, and if you convince yourself that you have to pick one or the other, then you are going to have to pick one or the other. There are so many different female attorneys who are at all different levels of their career who are doing just as many cases, just as many high profile cases as I am, and are still able to manage both. And I'm also seeing similarly that the men in the office are also step uh, are also commanding the same for themselves. Also, dads who really want to be more present in their child's life, who are saying that this is what I'd like to carve out for myself too. It's a lot less a badge of honor to say I was up till three o'clock in the morning working on this brief, and I haven't seen my kid in two weeks. And it's more of a badge of honor to say that I was able to successfully handle this trial, this settlement, et cetera, and still watch my daughter in the Halloween parade. And I think you bring up a really good point that this idea of wanting people to succeed and having both a family and a career isn't just for women. It is really for men as well. And I know that there's like an emphasis with currently in the political climate and other things that are going on outside of the legal industry that women are kind of being pushed to the forefront. But one of the bigger things I think is that if you want your employees to succeed, you need to be able to give them the tools to succeed. Are you seeing law firms that now, or even just companies, whether it be in-house as a general counsel, giving both men and women the tools to succeed, whether it be paying for in vitro fertilization for women or giving longer paid paternity leave? Are you seeing that there's more of an emphasis on that family life and on that quality of life, whether it be working from home, being able to work part time? Are you seeing that there's more of a shift into that? It's great that you can produce all this work, but we also want you to have a life as well. I think I've definitely noticed uh, a change in the last, I would say, decade. The big law, uh, law firm I was with previously, they had instituted while I was there a uh, flexible hours policy. You could choose to work 80 hours, 80% or even 60% time. And that applied both to women and men. It was a parental leave policy. And just overall, people were very accommodating about the whole family. And everybody was just incredibly supportive. And even with our smaller firm, for example, we have one female associate who works from home, only from home, and she works part-time. And that's great. You know, with the current technology, we're able to practice law uh, pretty much out of anywhere. Something that wasn't available, let's say, 15 years ago is standard practice now. Whether working from home or from the office doesn't make like much difference, at least not in my area of law. I think this is beneficial for both female and male attorneys. I totally agree, Arena. We do. Like, I didn't see this so much in um, the big firm that I worked at. I saw women really stressing out. But you know, granted, this was six years ago, so things hopefully have changed since. But I did see women really stressing out about 
being on maternity leave and being put on more low profile cases than they were doing after they come back or not being on partnership track because they may have another child and so they may have to take maternity leave and they may not come back for a year. So this was really a concern around that time. But this is why at Gushev Law, we are really trying to provide our both our female and our male attorneys to work from home whenever they can, especially the guys. They want to be with their kids too and their wives, and sometimes their wives are lawyers in some cases, work full time and they stay at home. But like you said, Arena, the technology is so amazing and that's how we're set up that you don't need to go into an office. And so we really try to foster that environment for, for both female and male attorneys. It's gone really well. Marjorie, I know yes. that you work with wage and hour a lot. What are you kind of seeing out there right now? Is there still that huge discrepancy between what a female attorney is being paid and what a male attorney is being paid. And then to add another layer, is there an even bigger discrepancy between what a white female attorney is being paid versus a female minority attorney? So the legal profession is unique in this regard in that wages are usually set at least in larger law firms, your wages are usually are generally set by graduating class. So if you graduated in 2004, everybody who graduated in 2004 is essentially making this amount of money so long as they're not, there are no variables to bring you up or to bring you down. Especially if you come into the firm right out of law school and you go up the ranks, everybody is basically at the same. Where you see the variation is where you have somebody coming in from another firm, somebody who is switching, perhaps they were a plaintiff's attorney and now they're going on to the defense side. So their wage may be a little bit lower or higher depending on how the firm values their experience, regardless of what year that they graduated from. And when you get to upper levels of compensation where somebody is coming in as a partner or they're coming up in as, you know, uh, of counsel. And that's where you really see the inf um, the inflex. Where that variation is usually tied to is things like, are you bringing over the book of business? Is there is there a value associated with that book of business? What kind of high profile cases are is that tied to? And the way that gender and race implicitly rears its ugly head in there is that, Overwhelmingly, the higher profile cases are assigned to men. Overwhelmingly, the higher profile cases or the top notch clients are not given to people of color. So when you are leaving one firm and going to another and you are negotiating your new comp, the implicit bias that may have existed in you being assigned to a lower profile case or you not getting access to that higher level client and therefore having a book of business, which is of a different value, is continued on in that new space. It's not as direct as it may be in other industries, I've had cases where clients have come with printouts of people's pay and they just put male, M or F, you know, meaning male or female or white, black or Hispanic or Asian in the crowd. And you can almost chart it perfectly as to how different people are compensated. So while in the legal industry, I don't think that it's as overt 
But as you, as we can see, like in cases like the Proskauer female attorney who recently resolved her her lawsuit for being under you know, undercompensated when she's you no know, more productive than a lot of her male counterparts, something that still exists. You do find that there is a discrepancy. You learn of it somehow. What is the best way to address it with HR while preserving your own integrity? Especially as an attorney, if you run and initiate a lawsuit, which obviously there's other avenues that would happen, things that would have to happen before that. But if you were to go and run, that's now in the public sphere. And there is this inherent bias where if someone were to Google your name when they're looking at your application, they would suddenly see that maybe this person sued their employer and maybe they're not as good for this particular role or they're, you know, a liability. What's the best way to address that with an HR department or your boss? Because some smaller law firms don't have a bo- an HR department. The way that I would encourage somebody to address the issue with HR or their boss is to first and foremost is to collect the data. You have to approach it like any other sort of negotiation standpoint. You got to know, like, for example, if you know that the metric of success at your particular law firm is the amount of billable hours that you're able to bring forth or the amount of, you know, motions to 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 dismiss or motions for summary judgment that you've been successful on. Those are things that you should be tracking regardless. Those are things that you should you should know your own stats and you should know that the stats of those of, of how you compare to others. Some of this information is is public depending on how your particular organization does their documents document management or time management. And some of it is a lot more more difficult. And I'm somebody who I'm a big belief in tooting your own horn. I'm not saying that you have to brag about the things that you're doing. But if you're successful at something, then people should know you should not the management level at your particular organization should know what you bring to the table because you do a good job of making yourself visible. So first and foremost, I would say collect the data. Second, see how you compare with your counterparts. A lot of firms broadcast billable hours on a monthly basis or on a quarterly basis to see how you compare with your counterpart. Also, it, it makes it makes sense to see what the what the metric you have to know what the metric is at your particular organization. How, how is success being measured? Is it the amount of settlements that you're that you're able to close, the amount of trials that you win, the amount of motions that you win or lose, and having that information as well. Secondly, I like to approach the supervisor if you have a close working relationship with them, because I can I I, I as a manager I like to hear about my team's concerns firsthand. I don't like to hear about them second or third hand, i.e. another partner or or HR. So I like I keep, I keep a very open door policy with my team so that when they have questions or concerns that they can come to me and you present the information that you have. I always say to err on the side of it could be an oversight and people may not know. Maybe there is no way for you to have tooted your own horn prior and therefore they just didn't realize the level that you're bringing to the table as compared to to others and give them an opportunity to, to do the right thing. If you are not getting a positive response from your manager, I then would say go go to HR, let them know that, they, that you've spoken to your manager and present it there and, and, and see where it goes from there. I believe in asking questions, saying that I don't, it's hard for me to reconcile the fact that I bring in whatever I bill 2,300 billable hours per year and my male counterpart barely bills breaks a th- um, 2000 
does not have the same win record that I have. We have we're in the same year and he earns X percentage higher than I do. I can't reconcile that. So I'd like to have an understanding of what it is that makes the organization value his work above mine and ask the question. I would also, I would actually like to add that on a, at a partner level, I think compensation is often dependent on not just the billable hours, but also origination or, you know, basically bringing in clients. And this is where I see men definitely taking the lead. In many firms, I believe it's the male partners who are the main rainmakers. We need to change that. <laughs> I think women are very much capable of originating business and should just be encouraged by the firm, uh, their respect, whatever firm they're in, to go for it and go talk at different conferences write articles and uh, bring business. I think that's also, you need to have some like, help, assistance from um, wherever you are to empower you and just women in general to go out there and bring business as well. Another thing I want to talk about is there's this hot topic that's going on right now and it's it's very much active is the Me Too and the Time's Up movement. I think on the outside and outside the legal industry and inside the legal industry, this is something that's really, really has been affecting women and men. How do you guys see that interplaying with it regards to legal diversity? Do you feel that more male attorneys are becoming a little bit more respectful towards women? Or, you know, they're changing their attitudes? Or do you feel it hasn't really made a change in legal industry at all? So, uh, and this is Marjorie again, because I also prosecute sexual harassment cases, I think that my perspective may be a little bit different, not only being in the industry, but also being an attorney who prosecutes individuals who um, subject my clients to uh, sexual harassment, retaliation, and other gender discrimination. Here's what I will say, and I, and I don't say this to be pessimistic. So I'm going to bifurcate my responses in the in, in the legal industry. I have not seen from in terms of cases that I prosecute. I am prosecuting just as many sexual harassment cases in law firms before Me Too and Time's Up as I am now. So based on that, I can't really see I can't really say that there's been a shift and a change. What I can say is that it is a lot easier to prosecute sexual harassment cases now in light of Me Too and Time's Up than it was before. Do you think that maybe part of the reason is because men are a little bit more scared or timid around females? Do you find that? No. Okay. No. Um, what I have found is that more companies are afraid of being on the wrong side of the Me Too and the Time's Up movement. So the tolerance level that they had before is different. And as a result, they're changing policies. They're doing investigations more differently. They are treating these complaints more seriously. That is why I feel like that's been, again, my personal experience as, as, as to how it is that I've seen a shift. Yeah, I have to agree. So I'm not in, in a corporate, you know, large firm anymore. So certainly don't, don't, can't speak from within our firm on this. But I know that from what I see with my colleague attorneys at big firms, 
things seem to have changed behavior-wise from their male colleagues. I know things like holiday parties and things like that, where people can get a little bit out of control. That behavior seems to have changed over the past, I guess, couple of years now, maybe less. And I do think that that male attorneys are being more cautious. And I think that has a lot to do with the Me Too movement. So for someone like me, this is Abigail. Um, I'm a 3L at Cardozo. So for law students or junior associates or young lawyers, rising lawyers, do you have any advice for us? Make your name and build yourself up in wherever you are, whatever part of the law you're in, whether you're in a firm, like how to make partner. All of us have gone to law school or currently in law school. I think there's one thing we can all agree on is that law school does not prepare you at all for what life as a lawyer really is. It gives you the basis tenement, the basic tenements of what to expect. But for someone like Abigail, who is going to be embarking on that next phase of her career, what would be the best advice you can give for her to kind of expect and how to stand up for herself and how to make best and most of her experience as a new attorney. I can jump in here. I think one of the things that when I was coming out of law school, I heard a lot about the boys club and law firms, which kind of intimidated me because women, uh, more established women, right, that were attorneys for several years were, were saying, we're talking in, for example, CLE events or whatever it was about the boys club and how hard it, it is to penetrate. So I think as as a young attorney coming into the working field out of law school, it's easy to be intimidated and kind of have that expectation that that's going to happen. And what I would say is that don't do that, right? So don't, I think the boys club thing is still for sure happening, but less and less so is women are just confident like be confident that you can be the rainmaker in your firm eventually or even just starting out i think it's important to speak up for yourself like somebody else said earlier and just don't don't be intimidated by some of the things you hear i think it's really all about confidence it is about confidence 100 percent. and as a junior associate you will feel that whatever you do is wrong you can't get it right you'll be you'll feel discouraged trust me there will be times when you you may start doubting yourself but don't do that you are, are a good attorney you will be a good attorney you will get through the initial phase that everybody goes through male or female of getting it all wrong <laughs> you know it is a training process it is a learning process i'm what i've been practicing for what 15 plus years i'm still learning and it's fine to just be comfortable with this and just do the best you can and confident in yourself and your abilities. Don't doubt. Don't doubt yourself. And also know that everybody else is doubting themselves too. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely not just you, if that helps. And I think my best advice would be to find someone who's an ally in your firm or in your company, wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. Find someone who's an ally and who you feel comfortable asking questions to. I know that when I was a first-year associate, I was terrified to ask questions, so I would Google things. That's not the way to do it. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not what I would suggest people do. You need to find an ally. You need to find someone who you really feel comfortable asking those quote-unquote dumb questions to 
and kind of feeling like, okay, this person's not going to judge me. This person's going to really help me. And don't be afraid if someone asks you to make a copy or someone asks you to fax something for them, do it because it can open up doors for you. And just always remember every single thing that you do every single day is a learning experience. You didn't learn to walk or get potty trained as a baby in one day. So it's going to take time. And that self-doubt is absolutely going to be there, but you have to find it within yourself to push that back down and say, I'm worthy of this position. I received this job, this job offer for a reason, and I'm going to make the best of it. And then I think if you really do that and you find an ally, you find a friend, you're going to be unstoppable. I've got five pieces of, of advice. Number one, show up. Dress up, show up, meet and greet. If there's a firm happy hour, if there is a, we used to have these affinity groups where where groups of people would get together, all the labor and employment people would get together, all the women in the firm would get together, all these outside opportunities for us, for you to speak to other attorneys, being around other attorneys, show up, show up well-dressed, well-groomed and meet and greet and speak to people. Not only will that give you more exposure, but that will also build up your confidence. Then that won't be that random female partner that everybody says is the real rainmaker of the firm. She won't be a distant person. She'll be somebody that you had coffee with and you both laughed that you were wearing uncomfortable shoes. I think demystifying the myth of the executive committee and partnership is a big thing that lowers individual confidence for especially for young attorneys because it seems so far away. The more that you can see through that smoke and get yourself in there and FaceTime with people who are where you want to be, the better. The second thing, obviously, and this may actually be the most important thing, is to learn your craft. It's called the practice of law for something. Nope. Not the conduct of law, but the practice of law. You'll be practicing 30 years in, 40 years in, and learning your craft, being on the cutting edge of the developing cases and things. So you have to make it your business to be informed on your own time. What does that mean? That means that you have a subscription to the law journal and you are you know the types of cases that are going to trial. You know what was on the Supreme Court review. You make it your business to to know this area that you're practicing in. Number three is don't burn bridges. The same person who can be a pain in the tuchus as a manager now could be the person who's write, writing you a recommendation when you're being elevated to the bench. This is a lifelong practice and you never know where your career is going to go and what relationships are going to do for you. Some of my current cases come from adversaries that I was sitting on the opposite aisle, you know, side of the aisle with. And we and we went to battle. They thought they thought of me enough to send me a plaintiff or a client that they thought that I might be able to assist, which is was was a, a great assistance and help. Next piece after not burning your bridges is to try to build relationships. See where you fit into the larger picture of what it is that you're working on. No matter, even as a summer associate, I always ask the larger question is, how is this piece that I'm being assigned going to fit in the bigger picture? When you understand the greater machine or the greater thing that you're part of, then you can work on your piece that much better. And they, it also uh, alerted management that I wasn't, that I was always thinking globally and not just in this very small micro. It made the work that I did that much more precise. 
You also want to know and have an understanding of what are the challenges and problems that your particular team, this particular case or this particular whatever is having so that it can influence your decision making when somebody may not necessarily be available for you to ask a question. By way of example, if you are working on a case for a client that goes every over the monthly bill meticulously and is giving the partner on the case a headache every month because they have to shave 25, 30% off what's been billed because they look at everything so meticulously, then you know that you have to be a lot more precise in, in the way that you do particular research. You know, you have to be a lot more frugal in the expenses that are then charged to the client. Understanding those type of dynamics makes manage makes it easier for management. I can't tell you how many times when you're working with a junior associate who doesn't get it, how frustrating it could be from a management perspective, because you almost have to double manage. And finally, know that from the day that you are at the firm to the day that you're retiring, you're building your reputation. So be on time, be courteous, don't allow yourself to fall into bad habits and in terms of how emails are, you know, are written or being late or, you know, or anything like that. You want to, you want every one of those things builds and adds to your reputation. And when you show up in front of the same judge on three or four different cases and they know you're always on time and that you're always cooperative in discovery, that one time that you do have to do the discovery motion, the judge is more apt to be a little bit more lenient with your requests because you've built your reputation over time. So know that you're always adding to your reputation or taking away from it with every action that you make. Just to kind of wrap things up in a nice little bow, what are some final thoughts or words of advice for females who are in the legal industry? I think the biggest realization that I made both personally and professionally is that nothing was going to happen outside of myself that was going to help me in my given circumstance. I had to bet on my confidence in my own skills and my ability to create dynamics and results for my own clients more than awaiting for something outside of myself to happen, either the law to change or for a mentor to help me or any one of those things. Empowering and understanding that not only you have the intellect and the wherewithal to do the job and to the extent that you may not, that you have the ability to get there. You could take a class, read a book, take, take a CLE, CLE, ask a question or any one of those things did above and beyond more for me than any one individual who has helped me along the way. And I certainly did not do this by myself. Being able to rely on that, that not only do you have within your capacity to get everything that you need and the power to get everything that you want goes above and beyond to change your perspective of every client, of every case and every circumstance. I would also say that work with as many other female lawyers as you can. For example, we have a lot of referral relationships with female attorneys, female-led firms, general counsel, women of the general counsel at big firms. And that's been really rewarding for us, both that we can help women advance and just having those referral relationships are great. And I, I think, you know, helping each other. So I seek out working with other female attorneys. And I have to say, honestly, that it's generally a bit more effective than working with men. And, um, and I love that help, you know, the fact that we're helping each other. 
So I would I would certainly do that and don't shy away from it because a lot of women want to help each other. I just think that we tend to shy away from it a little bit and think that we're competing and that we wouldn't be open to that. And my experience has been the opposite. I would also add that among clients, many are women. And sometimes even like, for example, I'm just thinking about one client who actually hired our firm because uh, she saw me, she saw a female attorney and she said she's much more comfortable working with a female attorney. So she switched over to our firm because of that. So take advantage of that. Work with women or clients. That's, that's just something that I found to be actually to our advantage. Agreed. We have we have the exact same thing at our firm. I think we we really focus on, on helping women. Women. We have a lot. You know, a lot of our clients, at least half our clients, are, are you know, women-led businesses, and they are drawn to our firm and really love the experience because we have a lot of female attorneys, and of course because it's a female-led firm. Okay, great. Well, thank you guys so much for your time and all of your input input and expertise. It has been really informational and helpful to all of us females that are out there in the legal industry. And we cannot thank you enough for being champions for other females. Thank, thank you. you so thank you for, for having Yes, thank you for having us.